Well, hello everyone, Dave Therrien here. Welcome to New Hope Radio. Today we begin a new series that I hope would renew the passion of each and every one of us. That's what I call the series, Renewing the Passion. And we're going to talk about some things in the series. I hope they get us fired up for God. Are you fired up for God? Sometimes we are, sometimes uh We're not that fired. We're more like flickered. <laughs> I'm going to get fired up for God today. And that comes from knowing Him. The more you know Him, the bigger the fire. So the series is entitled Renewing the Passion. And we're going to begin by using Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And he wrote to believers who lived in the Greek city of Thessalonica. We will come to learn many doctrines of the Christian faith in this series. Now, where's Thessalonica? Located at the northern end of the Aegean Sea. I like to go out there sometime. Nice weather all year, I'll bet, huh? church out there was established during his second missionary journey. So Paul begins his letter with words of affirmation. That's always a good way to start a letter, building people up. So he has words of affirmation and encouragement, and that's because the early Christians, well, they weren't having it that easy. They were under heavy persecution. Yeah, seems like it's always been that way, huh? Oh, they were under persecution from angry Greeks, ruthless Romans. They were the recipients of stonings, beatings, crucifixions, torture, even death. Wasn't easy easy to be a Christian in those days. So we pick it up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy. See, when he wrote, when they wrote letters, they wrote at the beginning of the letter who was writing the letter. We get it backwards here in America. We write the letter, and then we put our name at the end. Sometimes you have to go to the end to find out whose letter you're reading. Right? You ever do that? I've done that. So Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. I like what he said in the the next verse. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of God our Father. Notice those qualities. In spite of how difficult it was for them, Paul's commending them. They had what? A labor of love, work of faith, steadfastness of hope. There's one thing you never want to lose. It's your hope. No. Never lose hope. Knowing, brethren, verse 4, beloved by God, his choice of you. Now, I believe a big part of renewing the passion 
for Christ is to know your standing with Him. Do you know where you stand with God? And this is why the doctrine of election is so vital to know. What we're going to do today is shed light on the doctrine of election. Because I believe the doctrine of election is misunderstood and mistaught in many circles. So hang on to your hat. Paul said in verse 4, Knowing brethren, beloved by God. Oh, that's so important. Beloved by God. His choice of you. Okay? Now, right away, people, you know, they'll jump on the bandwagon about God's choice of people. Passion for God begins with knowing where you stand with God and what he's done for you. I'm going to keep saying that because it is so important. So with that in mind, and with this letter as the background, let's take a look at what I believe is the true doctrine of election. This is how we understand election. And you know what it does? Oh yeah, it puts value on every person. Everyone. Okay, so let's go. Number one, and this is foundational. Christ is the foundation of election. What's the foundation? It's where you begin. It's where you start. If you're going to build a house, first you need a foundation, and then you build on the foundation. If you're going to understand a doctrine, you need a foundation. And if you're going to understand election, you need a foundation. And what's the foundation? Christ. And what is that foundation of Christ? That He is the only one chosen. That's the foundation of the doctrine of election. Jesus Christ is the only one that's chosen, that's elect. Scripture, Isaiah 42.1. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He's talking about Jesus. And what he's saying, this is my servant, my chosen one. Christ is the only one chosen. Our redemption is found where? In him. In Christ. We're not redeemed outside of Christ. We're we're redeemed when we are in Christ. For instance, Ephesians 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. So where's our redemption found? In Christ. You have to be in Christ in order to be redeemed. All right? So I want to go nice and slow, nice and simple, nice and basic. Christ is the only chosen one. Our redemption takes place when we're in Christ. Secondly, we are elected in Christ, not to Christ. Oh, big difference. Big difference. We are elected when we're in Christ. We're not elected to be in Christ. Okay? Again, Ephesians 4.1. Just as he, God, chose us, what? In him, before the foundation of the world. It doesn't say God chose us to be in him. 
God chose us in Him. When we're in Him, we become chosen. And God knew this before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Okay? So see how it works? Christ is the only one chosen. When we're in Christ, now we become chosen. Why are we chosen? Because we're in Christ. The word chose is the word ek, lego. It means to pick out. Remember when you were young and you were picking up sides to play ball? You would, everybody would line up and you'd be picked out of the line to go on a certain team. You were chosen to be on a team. Okay? So, yes, we are chosen, what? Not to be in Christ, we are chosen because we're already in Christ. Christ is the only one chosen. When we're in him through faith, we now become chosen. I have a formula that I use to interpret difficult passages. And you know what that formula is? Always interpret that which is gray in the light of that which is clear. Okay? Always interpret that which is gray in the light of that which is clear. Now, what is it that's clear? This is clear. God is love, 1 John 4, 8. God is just, Romans 3, 26. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 7. This is clear. God is rich in mercy. He loved us. We were dead in our sins. He made us alive. He raised us up. And it's all to show his kindness. Now, all these things are very clear in the scriptures. So, verse 8 explains it all. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Now, that is a reference to not faith, but being saved. So we read it like this. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that salvation, it's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And this is why. The word saved is in the nude agenda. The word faith is in the feminine gender. And the word that is in the nude agenda. So the genders must match for them to identify with one another. So because saved and that are similar genders, neuter, that points to saved. It doesn't point to faith because faith is a feminine gender. So we don't read it that faith is a gift of God. No, we read it that salvation is a gift of God. That points to saved, not faith. Okay, so here it is. Grace offers salvation. Faith appropriates it. Now, we know not works, but faith appropriates it. Okay? We appropriate salvation through faith, and then we receive the gift from God. So, again, you see what's happening? This is for all of humanity. Whosoever believes can be saved, right? John said. Thirdly, Forgiveness takes place in Christ. See, everything happens in Christ. Nothing happens to us outside of Christ. It's all when we're in Christ. 
Ephesians 4.32, Paul said, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So outside of Christ, before salvation, you weren't forgiven. But once you were in Christ, you became forgiven, you became saved, and you became chosen. You see, everything happens when you're in Christ. You weren't chosen to be in Christ. You're chosen because you're in Christ through faith. God knew from eternity past what he had in store for those who were in Christ by faith in his work on the cross. Okay, God always knew. It doesn't mean that God makes it happen. God knows what's going to happen. Okay, number four, let's throw in this little word, predestination. Predestination, here it comes, follows election. Okay? Predestination follows election. Romans 8.29 For whom he foreknew, and what did he know? Who would be saved? He predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what is Paul saying? God knew in his foreknowledge who would be saved. Those that would be saved, he predestined them to become conformed to the image of Christ. He didn't predestine us to be saved. The Bible doesn't say that. It says he predestined those who would be saved. He knew who would be saved. So he predestined the saved the born-again believers, to become like Christ. That's predestination. It's not predestination to be saved. It's predestination to become Christ-like. Like I said, everything happens when we're in Christ. So question, what are we predestined to? We're predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. In other words, we we could also call that sanctification. We're predestined to sanctification, but not salvation. Okay? So God looked down the corridors of time. He knew who would be saved, and he had a plan, and he predestined those saved to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the part that predestination plays in the Christian way of life. And by the way, predestined, it just means to to predetermine. That's all. God is predetermining ahead of time a plan of sanctification for every believer. (laughs) That's what it means. He's predetermining ahead of time a plan of sanctification for every believer. And in that sanctification, we become like Christ. And then he said in verse 30, whom he predestined, because why? They're already saved. These he also called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. All this takes place where? In Christ. So, predestination follows election. Election takes place when we're found in Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the only one elect. We share his election when we're in him. 
predestination is God's plan for our lives after being in Christ because he predetermined a plan of salvation for every believer. Okay? Now, number five, I like this part. The whosoever's of the Bible. Okay? I like this. For instance, in John chapter 3, verse 15, whosoever believes may in him have eternal life. Sometimes it says whoever. We'll call it whoever, okay? Whoever believes may in him have eternal life. Oh, who can have eternal life? Whoever believes. And God knows who's going to believe, and he predetermines a plan for their sanctification to make them like his son. Oh, now I get it. Romans 10, 13. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Whoever. You're a whoever, I'm a whoever. Joe across the street, he's a whoever. People at work, they're whoever's. Your cousins, they're whoever's. Everybody is a whoever. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. First John 5, 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Oh, there it is. Whoever. See, this is incredible. This is great because this renews my passion for Christ. Knowing that I'm a whoever. And Jesus died for me. He died for the sins of the whole world. And everybody I know and everybody I care about has an opportunity to be saved. And God is not picking some of my cousins to be saved and some not. And he's not picking some of my co-workers to be saved and some not. He's not even picking some of my children to be saved and some not. Or my brothers and sisters. No, he's not. He's not picking anybody. The only one he chose was his own son. He's the elected one. And when we put our faith in him, we become elect. We become chosen because we share what Christ has. And God's predetermined plan for our salvation begins to unfold. And it's for anybody and everybody. Number six, here's the error of Calvinism. Calvinism says some men are predestined to eternal life and others are predestined to eternal damnation. This contradicts Scripture. We already looked at the whoever's of the Bible, right? Plus, we also noted the things that are clear. God is love. God is rich in mercy. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.4 that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his heart. That's his desire. God wants that. So he made a way for it to happen. And he left the choice with each and every individual, each and every whosoever. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. In other words, his promise to return. Everybody's like, when's Jesus coming back, man? Come now. But no, he's patient not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, we know not everybody will, but Jesus is waiting 
for many that will. Oh, yeah. He wants a full heaven. That's why we have to get the gospel out there. And we have to live the Christian life. And don't be jerks. And make the Christian life appealing. So people want to know Jesus the way we do. John said in 1 John 2, 2, speaking of Christ, He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, <laughs> also for those of the whole world. Everybody. Now, would Jesus die for sins, for sins of people that couldn't be redeemed? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. He died for people that could be redeemed. And who could be redeemed? Everybody. Sins of the whole world. All the whoever's. Number seven, faith is the condition of election. Oh, faith is the condition. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. The basis of election is not God plucking us out of fiery flames. The basis of election is faith. Faith in Christ. And again, all that does is put us in Christ where now we share the fact that He is elect. In Luke 7.50, Jesus said, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Oh, faith. What is faith? Something I extend toward God. Faith is a redirecting. I believe everybody has faith in something. Some people have faith in their church, faith in their denomination. Some people have faith in their good works. You have to redirect it and put it in Christ on the cross. Your faith in Christ has saved you. Paul said in Romans 3.26 that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It's all about faith. It All the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament, through the book of Revelation, salvation is always based on faith. It's not based on who God chooses. It's based on faith. So where does faith come from? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You're getting faith right now. You're listening to the wonderful Word of God, and hopefully it's setting you free. That's why, you know what's important here? And this is what glorifies God, the free will of man. It's with our free will that we choose Jesus and give God the glory. Because in 1 John 2.23, he said, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So it's a matter of accepting or denying. It's pretty straightforward. God said He would prosper them. In Deuteronomy 30, He said, Turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. And God gave instructions to make proper choices. He said, Choose life in order that you may live, you and all your descendants. How many things in life are a choice? Everything. Proverbs one twenty nine. They hated knowledge. And they did not choose the fear of the Lord. There you go. The free will. It's many people today. They refuse to choose the fear of the Lord. John said when he closed out his gospel, These have been written 
that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Think about that. Why did John write his gospel? So you would believe and have life in Christ. So in summary, what do we have today? Here it is. Jesus Christ is the only one elect. Election is not to Christ, but in Christ for us. We become elect, not when we're outside of Christ, but when we're in Christ. Thirdly, predestination follows election. It doesn't precede it. It follows it. Predestination is our purpose in this life. God has predetermined a plan of sanctification for all those who believe. Four, proper use of the free will of man brings glory to God. Remember, the angels are watching. The angels are watching frail humanity choose God of their own volition. If God chose them, the angels would be like, what's the big deal? But man has chosen God. And the angels are like, oh, we're learning something here. Fourthly, faith is the means by which we appropriate the free gift of salvation. We know that. You can't throw out faith. Fifthly, faith comes by hearing. Faith is not a gift. It comes by hearing the Word of God. God doesn't say, well, I'll give you faith, but I'm not going to give you faith. Remember, He's rich in mercy. Number six, Jesus died, not for some, but for the sins of the whole world, that those who do believe may not perish, but have everlasting life. There it is. This will renew the passion. It'll renew the passion and give God glory because you had a proper response to God's invitation to be with him. Oh, I hope this made clear some things. I really believe with all my heart. This is the light on the truth of election. This is the clear light, and it should make everybody feel valued by God. Be valued, because you are valued, because Jesus died for you. He died for every sin you'd ever commit. And he's purposed a plan to make you just like him. Oh, go forward. Go forward in your salvation. Live in that predetermined plan God has for you. So you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master.